Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode here of All Things Football. Week seven is officially in the books. A lot of good football over to review. Um, a lot of football to enjoy. Still, Jace, how are we feeling? Feeling good. Survived the bye week. My fantasy team, that's always a good feeling. You know, I got a couple more buys, but not like four teams or six teams that it was last week. And just loving week eight, you know, moving on. We got a lot to get to today. Some league news. Obviously, we got some trades happening up. Obviously, as we near the trade deadline, we're going to get some more and more trades to kind of figure out how um, that kind of pans out. We've got the NFL investigating the Falcons um, for some questioning things regarding B. John Robbins. I know that was kind of a head scratcher for a lot of fantasy managers. Uh, with Bijan on our team, so we're kind of going and getting to that. Obviously, recap week seven and preview week eight. Got a lot of football to go over, so let's stick around. Let's get started. This is All Things Football. All righty, Chase. So, as we talked about, we got a trade, and shocker, it is the Eagles once again. They are trading for... Safety Kevin Byard of the Tennessee Titans in exchange for a fifth and sixth rounder as well as safety Terrell Edmonds. So Eagles, uh, Howie Roseman is added again. Last week they added Julio Jones they signed. Um, and this week they're trading for safety depth. What do you make of the Eagles in this um, this trade here? Yeah, I honestly think this one makes them better. This is the first trade they've done in a while. That's not just an lateral move, right? I think DeAndre Swift, lateral from where Sanders was last year. Uh, Julio Jones doesn't move the scale. I think Kevin Byard is actually a really big help. He, he was a stud a couple of years ago for Tennessee. This is basically a one-year rental. I know he's got two years, but you can move off of him if he's not good, right? And uh, that's where their Eagles defense is the worst at, is that defensive backfield, right? You have slay up top making plays but other than that it's really no one right so kevin byard comes in led the league in picks i think in 2019 when the titans did that historical run it could be a good fit in that eagle system no i agree um i love what you said about this one isn't kind of like a lateral move exactly everything you said never really moved the needle i do think this one does move the needle for them um like you said or a, a strong veteran presence um, glad that he's getting out of Tennessee as Tennessee's looking like they're probably full on, not necessarily full on rebuild, but they're pretty close to kind of um, flipping things around. They'll see how many more pieces they kind of ship off. They kind of started a year ago when they traded A.J. Brown back to the Eagles. Um, Howard Rosen went back to the gift that keeps on giving, right? And the Titans that A.J. Brown has worked, traded, worked out great for them. Went right back at it and you get him with the Kevin Byard. So it didn't really give up anything at all to get him. So um, really good trade there for the Eagles. And I think it has that veteran depth of physicality, something I think that they're lacking. Um, we'll get into it. But I was shocked that the Dolphins didn't take more advantage of, of that weak secondary because, as you said, that is a weak secondary. You can you can really throw it on. We saw what the commanders were able to do. Them, so I was really shocked that, you know, two of the Dolphins weren't able yeah. to do that. But, you know, any given Sunday, they really showed up to, to play there. But, um, yeah, and I think this is an important trade for them. I think, obviously, they recognized where they were weak at and then went in and addressed it. So we'll see if he's able to kind of get back to where kind of he was before. Um, really haven't heard his name at all in the past couple of years ever since then. So I don't know if he's going to be at the all pro level, right? That he's playing at before, but still a good solid pickup that I would say moves the needle. Unlike some of the other things that they've been doing. All has been good stuff. I'm not saying they haven't done good stuff, yeah. but, um, this one does definitely move the needle for me where I think like, okay, the Eagles, um, I like this. I like this trade a lot for the Eagles. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And for the, I mean, move off of a kind of an expensive guy for the Titans, right? They're not going to do anything. R rumor report is Will Levis might 
be in the mix, you know, for the next game. So, you know, they're they're just seeing what they got, moving stuff, getting picks, acquiring young assets like Terrell. You know, it's you know, it's a nice trade. Yeah, we'll see if they move off of Derrick Henry. Would they do that? I don't know. They might have to. Um, just try to get something to kind of get them get them going in the right direction. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the Atlanta Falcons. So this was something that was um, kind of strange, right? If you were following along with that game, maybe if you're not a Falcons fan, you probably had B.J. Robinson on your team, or maybe we were playing against them and you were super happy this happened. But it was like all of a sudden where Bijan had like two snaps, and then he just disappeared. And we were like, what is going on? Like, is he injured? No, he's fine. He's, well, what's going on? And all of a sudden, it kind of came out where he's just not feeling well. And he didn't play the rest of the game. Um, so, obviously, this drew um, a lot of questions, raised a lot of eyebrows to where the NFL is actually, I don't know if it's technically an investigation, but they're definitely looking into um, it because um, you're supposed to report ahead of games, right, if a player is not going to play or if they're on the injury report, like you have to report that. Right. So for fantasy, I, I don't know. for fantasy, is it for betting? Is it just for gamemanship? Whatever it is, um, we're supposed to report and they didn't and they set them out. So that just caused kind of a ruckus across the, the football landscape. And so they're looking into it. Chase, what are your thoughts maybe on this Bijan situation? Is this something serious? Is it just something kind of, eh, will the NFL find anything? Or is it maybe just all of a sudden just wasn't feeling well and so they took yeah, I think the uh, rumor reporting and the sidelines say that Bijan developed like an incredible migraine where he could hardly stand the crowd noise is what they listed, right? That's why he was let out. The They ended up did giving him one, one carry for three yards in like the fourth quarter of the game, the very end. So I don't even think even if they didn't, you know, and do an investigation, you know, they could just, the play, uh, coaches get to decide who plays and who doesn't play. It's not like they sat him out. He didn't, you know, it's not, he dressed. He got a snap. He got a carry. So I think the Falcons did that just to cover their own backs, you know, in case the league wants to crack down on them. I don't know how you can punish the Falcons for doing this. Uh, It sucks having, you know, Bijan on a fantasy team. But if Bijan wasn't feeling good, he wasn't feeling good, right? You know, you don't force a player to play if he's sick. I don't know what the problem is. And they won the game. I think this would be a bigger story if they end up losing this game. Yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's, it's a big deal regardless. Like, if you just don't feel or something like that, and the coach was like, listen, like, if you're not going to give me your best out there on the field to help us win, I'm not going to play you, like, regardless yeah. of how Because it's not going to be like Arthur Smith just woke up Sunday and like, oh, I'm not going to play the best, the best player on my team. Like what, like, what did he have to gain, right? Unless they go in and they're looking like somebody's doing some of those betting, right? Like, they're not supposed to. And all of a sudden, like, that's one thing I could think of. The only thing I could think of is, is that people had some bets regarding Bijan Robinson and that they didn't hit him. And so they're pissed off. And so the league feels like they have to do something right. Cause you know, the league is so weird. Cause like the NFL is like against gambling, but like they, they're sponsored by, by like casinos and like gambling apps and, and yeah. things like that. So I think they are kind of beholden to, to some of that. And so this is affecting it greatly. So they have to be shown like they're trying to do something, but I just don't know what, what to see it. Like if you're like, you said, like if it's migraine or something, like, listen, if you're not going to give us, the best chance to win, I'm not going to put you out there, right? Um, things happen like that. I just, I don't think they're going to, I really don't think they're going to find anything. Maybe they do, but I just think they're kind of doing it as kind of like a, to safe, not safe face, but just to kind of like, virtue signal is not the right word, but just to kind of signal to whoever it is, like, hey, we are looking into this, like we are made aware of this, uh, you know, we'll look into it. But I just, I don't think there's anything there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. 
Okay. Well, listen, that was a pretty much wraps up the league news there for, for week seven. Not a too, um, too much going on. But as we get to the trade deadline, that is Halloween, October 31st is the trade deadline. So I'm um, coming at you next week. I'm sure we'll have a lot more league news to go over there with some trades and things as we get closer there. So um, make sure you turn on the notifications right in your apps. If that's the NFL, the ESPN, wherever it is, so we can keep up track with the, with those trades as well. To, to kind of have your own opinions on them before and then come back next week as we kind of give you ours and those breakdowns. But let's go ahead and get into a recap of week seven. Um, this was, this was a week. I remember I said, I got to stop saying this because I remember last week I thought, man, listen, I know I said over hundred percent. I wasn't guaranteed hundred percent, but I felt pretty good about most of my picks and they just like flopped again. Um, and so it's, which is, it's fun, right? It's, I like it whenever, you know, it's, it's, it's harder and harder to pick who's going to win, um, right? A lot of upsets, a couple of big ones that we'll get into. Um, let's first start off with that Thursday night game um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the New Orleans Saints and walking out of there with the W chase. What were your initial thoughts there on, on that game? Yeah, I, I, at first I thought I was going to go exactly like it's supposed to, right? We both predicted Jets big win, right? Jets are a good team. They put it all together. I like it a lot. Um, I was impressed by the Saints offense late when they started kind of putting it together. Derek Carr looked a little bit more comfortable. Then he showed us the prime Derek Carr. I just I got hurt right through some checkdowns we shouldn't have. I, I just want to see Jameis Winston. Is Jameis Winston really worse than these quarterbacks that they keep rolling out there? Andy Dalton injured Derek Carr. Like, come on, Saints. Give us Jameis Winston. At least he makes the game fun. Uh, Travis Etienne is becoming a top 10 running back before our eyes. seems like every week he's getting better and better. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars are figuring it out, going to back what worked last week or last year with Christian Kirk and kind of Evan Ingram getting in the passing game. Calvin Ridley slowly dis uh, disappearing. Hopefully, you know, they can kind of rejuvenate him towards the middle of the season maybe. I don't know. But as long as the Jacksonville Jaguars are winning, I'm okay. Yeah, so I mean, touched there with, with the Jags here first. Um, it was weird because, like, so Calvin Ridley, like, had that week one where he popped off. We thought, oh, this is it. This is the connection we're yes. talking about all offseason. This was the vision, right, that we all foresaw. And he's pretty much disappeared since then. I think he didn't have a catch until, like, or, like, even a target until, like, the second half or something. Like, it was something ridiculous yeah. to where it was just like, why aren't you targeting him? Like, why not there? Um, but the Jags got rolling early. That's how I thought it was going to go. I thought, okay, yeah, this is going to go. And like you said, the Saints kind of came crawling back. But Derek Carr is just making these weird throws to where they're just not accurate. They're out of bounds. And he's getting mad at his receivers. Like there was that one where he got mad at Chris Olave, but the pass was like 10 yards over his head and out of bounds. Like even if Olave kept running, like he's not catching that. All right. I know he came afterwards and he said, like, oh, I got to keep my emotions in check and all that stuff. But it's like, it's just you're, you're playing bad, dude. Um, and I, I even, I was in a group chat with um, some, some Saints fans and I missed, and I texted and I said, man, I miss playing Derek Carr twice a year. Um, just because I saw like what we, but I've been seeing like this entire time, like besides that one, any, um, you know, the MVP season he had before he broke his leg, right, and got injured where he was, you know, like I think it was like what 2016, um, where he was kind of in the MVP conversation, playing well. Since then, he just hasn't been able to do anything. Um, and he's got plenty of talent around him, right? Alvin Kamara is finally back. Alvin Kamara led the team in rushing and receiving yards. Like all he does is just check it down to Kamara, check it down to Kamara, check it down to Kamara. Like the Olave usage isn't there like I thought it was going to be. The Michael Thomas usage isn't there like I thought it was going to be. So. 
it's just, um, I'm just, I'm just, I, I, I want to say I'm disappointed by that. The reality, like, this is kind of what you get with Derek Carr. And the Saints are just kind of playing in it, right? They've got, they are $87 million over the cap next year. Ooh. 80, how is that even freaking possible? The Chargers are the next with over $43 million. So they are more than half of what the Chargers are. And that's just ridiculous. So there's going to have to make some changes. That quarterback room is one of the most expensive quarterbacks in the league. They're paying Jameis a ton of money as well. And they're playing Taysom Hill a ton of money as well as the kind of gadget guy. And the offense didn't really get going until Taysom Hill got out there and ran up, you know, ran that quarterback draw in there behind big old Colin Saunders there um, to get that first touchdown to kind of, kind of get them going. Um, but all that being said, they were put down to at the end a chance to at least tie it um, when Foster Moore dropped that. Um, dropped that beautiful pass in the corner. Like, I got to give Derek credit. Like, that was a perfect pass, perfect execution, and he just dropped it. So, you hate. So, you know, regardless of how poorly they, they played, they were able to kind of get back into a position to to tie and to go into overtime to win that game. So, I will give them credit for that. Um, but it's kind of taking too long to kind of get the ball rolling um, on that. And the Jags just kind of, the Jags, Trevor Lawrence played well, used a lot of his feet. Uh, I thought it was a great game by Jacksonville. Um, Saints, um, I got to talk. I mean, the Saints are, I mean, I wasn't expecting great things from the Saints. I had to win the division. I've been very disappointed. Uh, been very disappointed with the Saints so far this season. Um, but I guess I, guess I can't say surprise whenever they have as their head coach, as a career loser, um, and Derek Carr as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. The Saints, you know, I got the ball, what was it, three times in two minutes, one in their red zone and couldn't convert any points, right? Jacksonville had fumble problems, muffed a punt, right? And then once I seen that, I'm like, man, you can't have that and not have any points out of it. You got to capitalize on turnover, something that that Saints team refuses to do, I guess. I don't know. Weird. All right. Moving down to Sunday night. Sunday night. Now this one, this one, I think, well, Monday night too, but this one, I think surprised me the most because um, obviously you both had the Dolphins to win. Um, Philadelphia coming off that really devastating loss against the Jets where they just kept turning the ball over, turning the ball over, unforced errors, weren't able to score at all. Um, and they had the opposite problem this week, right? Philadelphia, even they still turned the ball over, um, but they were still able to score, keep Miami in check. Um, and Miami only scored 10 points offensively. They had that pick six that they got to get to 17. Um, other than that, they just really couldn't do anything offensively. Uh, I mean, A.J. Brown was unstoppable. Um, they kept Tyree Kill in check. Um, and when you do that, you know, you find a good chance to win. But I was just, as I said, kind of before in league news, I was really shocked that the Dolphins weren't able to throw the ball all up and down the field on, on that Eagles thing. I was, I was really surprised. I didn't feel like Tua was pressured all that much. Like, I didn't think he was, like, running for his life and, like, trying to do that. Um, I just don't know what if it was the play calling and they just weren't doing it. Um, but um, it was it was a struggle for them all night. And you know, the Eagles really didn't struggle. The Eagles were able to do exactly what I thought the Dolphins were able to do. And I'm not surprised at all about the Eagles because I don't think the Dolphins secondary or defense is very good either. Um, but um, the Miami Dolphins, yeah, just they, they let me down. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, I this is the first Eagles game that I've watched. That I was actually impressed with the Eagles. Right, they look like the team that everyone wants them to be. Regan, right? Their defense came together. Their offense looked looked really good. Jalen made some high IQ throws for the first time this season, game wide. 
right? That pick six wasn't really his fault. I mean, he threw it, dumb decision, but it bounced off the hands of a defender. Then it got picked, right? If tip balls, you can never predict. But he didn't, you know, it's not like he struggled throwing the ball down the field like we've seen in the past six weeks. The one thing that I was surprised is uh, Miami, I think they should have known that their run was going to get stopped, right? They could not run the ball to save their life, right? That's what they focused on. They wouldn't let Raheem get uh, in it. They tried to put um, other players in, like Jeff Wilson tried to get the ball, right? And then once that's crumbled down, the offense didn't stall, but it was like they didn't know what to do, right? Their identity was in those long runs by Raheem Mostart. Once he wasn't able to do that, they just forgot how to score points, right? They didn't fall apart completely. It's not like they stalled, but I was just confused about that. And uh, yeah, very confusing. Also, it didn't help that Philadelphia Eagles, one of the most penalized team in the league, recorded zero penalties on a Sunday night football game. Like, that is crazy. Yes, yes. One one of them that would kept them out of field goal or kept them out of the red zone on a third down or fourth down, maybe. Yeah, fourth down that had, that face mask. They got the pick six right after it, but you could say that pick six, you know, they could have picked that off any time in the game. I don't know what to say about that. But that I mean, I don't think that's why they lost at all. I don't think it helped them help you know, I don't think it helped the Dolphins at all. But the Dolphins, you gotta be able to score points, right? We say this every week. The refs are bad, the refs are bad every week. You've gotta win the games. Still, I mean still crazy not to record a single penalty like yes. that's just that's just a little outrageous like if we're being just honest like i don't care who yeah. you are like to play a game without a single penalty like not even a one false start or a hold or anything like that yeah. like that's crazy and it's just it's tough whenever like you're sitting there on your couch and you're seeing like a blatant penalty and you're like and you missed it they didn't call you're like that was like if i can see it from my couch like not every penalty i can i see from my couch no. right but there were some where I was, I was like, oh, that's a penalty. And nothing. I was like, wow. And the broadcast was like, that was a penalty. And then they didn't do it. I was like, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. listen, for everyone who wanted to talk about refs and the Chiefs, take a look at that Sunday night game and think to yourself, do we really get all the calls? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but as I can go off the point, you said the Eagles are one of the best run stoppers. So it shouldn't have been like – I feel like the Eagles or the Dolphins didn't have like a backup plan because they've been running the ball better than like anybody. And when they couldn't do it against one of the best run defenses in the league, you feel like, oh, just Eric ought to do it. But then Tua didn't show up. Tua had a couple drops, and you're like, that's uncharacteristic, right? So just some uncharacteristic things that we saw from the Dolphins. And I don't is – it, is it time to talk about the Dolphins being overrated? Um, man, I, I, I seen this all over the internet, right? It, it's, it's week six. I think you got to pump the brakes. They do have those wins, right? You know, you, they did the same thing last year with all these teams, right? You only, you can only play who they put on your schedule, right? No one cared about the Philadelphia Eagles when they were undefeated, right? And they were playing all these bad quarterbacks, right? They recorded, what was it? Nine sacks in one game because they played, uh, I don't even remember who that was, uh, the backup quarterback for the lions that year, last year when golf got hurt. David Blau, David Blow, I don't know. Remember, he just, he would just run right into sacks. It was it was horrendous, right? It was embarrassing. So, I I, I mean, I think the Dolphins will be fine. I mean, I think they'll be fine, but it's it's worth talking about because I get you can only play you can play, but whenever you, all of their wins are coming from sub five hundred teams, teams without a winning record, 
all five of them, and the both losses are teams with a winning record. And the losses against these teams, the losses were bad, were double-digit losses. It's not like they played them close. They got blown out twice against the Bills and the Dolphins. They're blowing out the Broncos. They're blowing out the Chargers. They're blowing out the Panthers, right? Teams that we know suck. Again, and then these good teams, right? They're getting beat. They're getting blown out by one two scores. So that's where I'm starting to think, like, when it comes down to it, like, are because before after that Broncos game, right, we thought, okay, the Dolphins are legit. They're the best team in the NFL. This is the best offense we've ever seen. Ball out. Um, and then the Bills came happen. They couldn't do anything. They pick back up against the Giants. You're like, duh. Against the Panthers, duh. And I'm thinking, okay, we got rolling, which is a blip. You know, a blip in the in the system. Whatever, we'll get it fixed out. And then and the Eagles come, duh. And so we're starting to see see a pattern here where against these really good teams, they're getting dominated and then they're dominating the really bad teams. So they're caught there in the middle. Um, and so where obviously we'll have to let the season play out, right? But the sample size we have so far might seem that the Dolphins are might be overrated. I, I, I hate to say that, though. I mean, their team's still beat up, right? The injury, did you hear about Jalen Ramsey? I think he's coming back sooner rather than later he he wants he says that he wants to be back by that chiefs game that would be crazy yeah. be two, two weeks, weeks. weeks. I just, yeah two weeks two weeks i, don't so, see, I just don't Xavier, see yeah and Xavier, Xavier howard, Xavier howard yeah. like as well like the two best corners like i get it but is is Jalen ramsey coming off of a minute like Jalen ramsey wasn't tearing up the league last year with the rams like if him coming off of this meniscus tear like is that is he going to be this world beer that we know him to be like i, I just have I have, my, I have my reservation. So we'll see what yeah. it's like. You know, they play the Eagles here next week. So, or not the Eagles, the the Patriots here next week. So a good game to kind of get back right before they go to Germany and take on the Chiefs. So that's going to be in that another litmus test, right, against the Chiefs, how they're going to play against the Chiefs. Um, because history shows so far this season that it's going to be a blowout. Um, we'll, we'll see what kind of happens when we get there. But, um, yeah, anyway, that was a Sunday night game. Um, some interesting things going on. Um, let's stay on Sunday before we hit the Monday night game, Jason. Let's talk about the Bills and the Patriots. Your boy, Josh Allen. I knew this was coming up. Go uh, ahead. Got to talk first. about it. Got to talk about it. So this is the, the, the Bills and Josh Allen are at this weird stage where since turning the calendar into October, they are non-existence. The offense does not exist for the first three quarters. And then all of a sudden they play the best football ever in the fourth quarter. It didn't work against the Jags. They weren't able to do it because um, the Jags are a good team on offense. It worked against the Giants because the Giants are a bad team on offense. And then it didn't work against the Patriots, but not because they're good on offense, but it's because Mac Jones decided to have the game of his freaking life. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, just come out of the blue and lead this game-winning drive and hits Mike Gusecki for a touchdown as time expires to, to take the lead. So, but it was because the offense started off late, right? This is, I've said it before, we've talked about the roller coaster, Josh Allen and the Bills. We're seeing it full on in fruition, right? This is exactly what happens every single year. They win September every single year. Oh my gosh, best team ever. This is the year, Super Bowl, Josh Allen, MVP, blah, blah, blah. We get to October. They play crappy. They barely beat bad teams, and they lose against they lose against teams that they should beat. Um, they're just starting off too slow. Can't get it together. When they turn it on, they turn it on. It goes from like zero to a hundred. Like I'll give them that. Like they play almost flawless in the fourth quarter. Um, 
but it's just it's just not enough. And so I'm really concerned about this Bills team moving forward. The the schedule they have to play when they start to play teams like um, you know whenever they do have to play the Chiefs, when they do have to play the Bengals, when they do have to play um, the Dolphins again, um, and they have to play the Eagles, they have to play the Cowboys. They, I mean, they've got a tough schedule yeah. um, moving forward. And so they're not going to be able to afford to, to do this against these teams to not show up until the fourth quarter because the other teams are too good for that to happen. So very concerned about the Bills. Got to give my props to the Patriots. I don't think this is was Mac's like redemption game. And this is like, oh, okay, we finally figured out Mac Jones really is the guy because I've seen too much of him not being the guy. So I want to give him yeah. credit for that, for that game. Played a fantastic game. Didn't turn the ball over, which has been his problem. Didn't turn the ball over. Led a game-winning drive. Fantastic. Give you the props, right? Great game. But I don't think it's a harbinger of things to come. I don't think they've got it figured out. I still think the Patriots are one of the worst teams in football. But best thing about football is any given Sunday. Plus, it's a divisional game, right? So those are always going to be a little bit more intense and um, and, and more competitive. Um, and the Bills drop one against the Pats. Again, they should have won. That's going to come back and bite them in the butt for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. I agree with everything you said there, that nothing was wrong, right? Even when I was giving Josh Allen praise, I questioned this Bills team, right, when Tredavious White went out. So every Something happens to this Bills team, right? Something that 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 is backbreaking but shouldn't be season-ending, right? You lose your starting cornerback. That sucks. You have a good team. Put it together. And then they struggle too. Their defense – I, I gave up 29 points and a game winning, like Josh Allen, again, walked down the field and scored a touchdown late in the fourth quarter should have been the game, right? Defense trot out Patriots offense, which has been non-existent this year and their defense. I mean, Mac Jones went through him like sliced cheese. I mean, it was like no resistance at all. Right. So th this is a rough bills team, right? Again, they, they, the offense did get started late when you, when you score 29 or 25 points, it's hard for me to say that the offense was to blame though. Right, twenty-five points. You should have a chance in this league to win, and they 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 did. Right, the defense just didn't give it to them. Um, I, it is a kind of. I'd say it's worrisome. I didn't. I don't think the Bills, you know, can win the division. I think the Jets might still be better than the Bills. That Jets defense doesn't let you down. Right, if if Zach Wilson doesn't turn over the ball, they might just be as good with how this defense has been looking the last two weeks. So I, I, I agree with everything you said there. And the, the divisional game, Bill Belichick just owns that division, even with crappy teams. Like he almost beat the Dolphins on Sunday night football. I think that's forgotten, right? It came down to a, a first down, a spotty first down mark that we didn't really know where it was, right? That, that decided kind of decided the game with the, against the Dolphins. And at that point in time, they were humming, humming. So this is a, you know, a, a division that Bill Belichick has owned and knows how to win. Congrats on him doing it, but I agree. The Patriots aren't the team of the future, right? This doesn't mean that they're back on track. I think we'll see the same Patriots team that we've known the last couple of weeks next week here. Also, shout out to Bill getting us 300 win in the NFL. Wow, so that's, huge. Awesome. that's huge. So, that's huge. That's I think it's third overall. I think. Okay. Um, I think he, I don't know. I don't remember who was at it. Is it Shula? Probably Shula. I think Shula's yeah, Shula. ahead of him, and somebody else is still ahead of him, I think. But um, but uh, get your 300 with a big guy. You've been doing it at the highest level for a long time. Man, yeah, congrats to you. Um, all right, now we can go ahead and hit that um, hit that Monday night game with the San Francisco 49ers and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I'll let you go ahead. Give us our initial thoughts there on, on that crazy upset there in Minnesota. 
yeah, I, I sadly got a little bit busy Monday night. Didn't get to watch a lot of the game. Just kind of caught it here and there. Um, I was shocked, right? I kept on keeping looking at the score and being like, oh, the 49ers come back, right? I mean, Brandon Ayuk's going to get his. Brock Purdy's going to have his redemption game. Once I seen that they got the ball down one score in the fourth quarter, I thought it was over, right? Vikings defense is what I know. That you know, I know that they're not a very good defense. They blitz all the time. Brock Purdy's been eating up the blitz this year. And Brock Purdy decided to have a really, really bad fourth quarter. Two crucial interceptions in the fourth quarter. You know, I lost a fumble earlier in the game. Just, you know, really bad showing by Brock Purdy. Uh, Christian McCaffrey scored his touchdown. Yeah, keeps that streak alive that the NFL media loves to talk to you about. I guarantee you, if you ask McCaffrey about it, losing the game, he'd rather not score a touchdown and win that game. Right? The touchdown does nothing when they lose. Um, so congrats on the Vikings. Again, I think this is kind of like the the Bills game. I don't think this is the Vikings return game. I don't think they're going to come back, dominate, win our division, make the playoffs, right? The Vikings are who they showed us they were. They got a real good win. Uh, prime time Kirk Cousins, right? He threw two picks. The, the second pick was just ripped out of the defender's hand and turned into a touchdown. He threw that. That was a bad throw by Christian or by Christian, by Kirk Cousins. Right, throwing a pick. One of them was ripped out away from the other one. One was ripped away. So, congrats. Um, Jordan Addison finally shined like the first round receiver we've been waiting to see. I can't wait to see when Justin Jefferson gets back. If they can continue up, like, you know, have something like Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua down there and or up there in LA. So, congrats on the Vikings for winning it. But I'm still the I'm still a Niners. I think the Niners are still going to be all right. They got a really good team. Can't wait to see how they bounce back after kind of two devastating losses. Yeah, two devastating ones, and you thought maybe this one would be a back bounce back game for them to really kind of pound it on the Vikings, have them playing well. But um, listen, the Vikings, I mean they they've showed up for both of their primetime games. You know, for the most part, without a couple turnovers, you know they might beat the Eagles, um, and they showed up and obviously got the win here um, against the against the Forty ers But um, I mean the Vikings, I mean I I got to give my props to the Vikings. I mean they play their tail. Like I said, Jordan Addison went off, had two touchdowns. He actually is second in the league in receiving touchdowns, just behind Tyreek Hill. So I mean he's been balling. He's really been balling all year. He just yeah. hasn't been on primetime play, so you haven't really been able to like focus down and like really see it happen. So he's been playing at an elite level. Obviously getting more and more now, um, more touches and more looks now with the Justin Jefferson. Um, but I think this is one of the things with the 49ers, where the 49ers, this is what I've always said. I always say great teams don't get beat by other teams. They find a way to beat themselves, right? Um, that's important. The defense didn't, even though they held them to 22 points, right? They didn't really play well. There were times where there's they couldn't get off the field on third down. There were times that the Vikings could just kept picking up third down, third down, third down, third down. I was shocked. Um, not pressure really Kirk Cousins at all. Like Nick Bosa was like non-existent that whole game. Um, and so it was just like a weird, a weird thing to see. I mean, Fred Warner was doing everything and he went down a couple of times. So like, is he doing too much? I was shocked. I didn't know. Like, I thought maybe they would, you know, ease Christian McCaffrey in and just play him a little bit. Not like a lot, but he like didn't miss a single. There was one point where like he didn't miss a single offensive snap. I don't know if he missed a single offensive snap all night. So he's, the injury can't be that bad because he was all over the place, right? Scored their lone two touchdowns. Um, and Brock, and Brock, right? So this is going to be the game, right? This is the game now where all the Brock Purdy haters are like coming out of the woodwork. It's like you thought it was bad last game. Like but he let them down for a chance to win, whatever. This game were two turnovers, right? On a chance to win, right? No clutch, blah, blah. I'm just like, listen, I just, I'm still positive, right? You know, I'm a, I'm a, 
I'm a Brock Purdy truther. I got it. This was this was the worst game by Brock Purdy than the one against the Browns. Um, because this one was games where he just was making poor decisions, right? That first pick he threw um, just was a bad, just was not accurate at all. It got picked. And that last pick on the on the on the you know the last final play that kind of sealed it up. I didn't really think it was necessarily a bad throw. I just thought it was a low quality throw because he threw into double coverage on the guy. It wasn't a must win down, right? You could have tried to throw him to another receiver, ran it, threw it away, lived to live another down. Um, I, I just think it's the young, the young in him, right? He's just still, he's still a young guy. He still just wanted to make the play and, you know, it hurt and cost his team. That's something that holds on for him. So definitely a bad game. Um, definitely more, he owns more of this loss than he did on the last loss. Um, against the Browns, um, but still a game that you can, you know, come back and learn from and still and still be fine, right? I've seen the greats do the same thing where they throw interceptions. We've seen Justin Herbert do it twice in a row. We saw Mahomes has done it before. Tom Brady has done it before. Right? We've seen the greats where they get a chance to go down the field and score and they throw an interception and turn the ball over and, and lose the game, right? It's not the end of his career. It's not the end of the world, right? Four and hours will be fine. They'll pick it back up. They got to Big game against the Bengals coming next week. That we'll preview. So no, not a better time to, to go ahead and get right there against a good team coming back. Um, but um, I just thought it was one of those things where the 49ers, uh, 49ers beat beat themselves right with the with those turnovers. Right, Brock Purdy can't can't, can't score points or anything on the ball to the other team. Um, and so uh, and so it's tough. It's tough. Um, but uh, the 49ers will bounce back. I'm, I'm not. Typically, even when we're looking at typically, they're around three or three and four at this point in the season, and then go on this huge long run to go into the playoffs. So the fact that they're five and two right now, it's sitting pretty. Um, I think it's okay. I mean, you hate to kind of drop down to third in the overall playoff race, uh, especially because you want to keep that distance, right? The Lions lose, you know, the Eagles um, have that one loss as well. Um, but um, it's okay. It all it all balances itself out in the end. The Eagles still have a gauntlet to go through. Four Niners still have to play some teams, so. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm still riding with the 49ers. Kudos to the Vikings. Great yes. win. I want to talk about the Vikings here. One, one other quick. The Vikings' next five games, Chase, six games, are all against teams with losing records, minus the Atlanta Falcons, who aren't really good anyway. At Green Bay, at Atlanta, versus New Orleans at Denver versus Chicago, at Las Vegas. There is a legitimate possibility that they run the table and all of a sudden are nine and four. That's legitimately on the table. I would, right now, I would confidently, and you can, you know, debate me or discuss, you know, if you want, I would, I'm confident that I would pick them as of right now to win every single one of these games. Yeah. I really do. I think they're better. I think they're better than the Packers. I know they're better than the Broncos. I know they're better than the Bears. Um, I know they're better than the, than the Raiders. The only two games that I would sit back and question would be the Falcons and would be the Saints. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think I think they have a shot. You know, I think the the fight the Vikings are weird. It's which Vikings are we going to get, right? They have a shot to have a game like this. They also have a shot like last last week. They should have lost to Justin Fields led Bears, right? Justin Fields goes out. Cam Bynum comes in, or Tyson Bagnet, not Cam Bynum. Tyson Bagnet comes in and he throws a, a 
a pick at the end of the game when they were marching down the field, right? The Vikings are so hard to pick week in week out because they are literally, they are literally one of the worst teams or one of the best teams. It's like I mean, they don't play that middle of the ball. It's true. I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what we saw last season. That's what we've seen the last yes. two seasons, right? They, they are always play games close. They're either going to win it or they're, they're going to lose it. Right. Yeah. They rarely get blown out. Right, they're always in at the end. It's going to be if they're able to come out on top and get the win, or right, or if they can't get the lose. So you know the games are always going to be close. It's always going to be within one score. It's just going to be like you said, if they show up and play or not, a win. If they don't, then they'll lose. But um, but in the game, I mean, worst case scenario, like you could say what that with the next six games they finish what, worst case what six and seven, be six, yeah. win three, lose three. That's right. Um, three and three. Three and three. There at some point there you're you're then you're there at six and seven, um, still on the bridge of 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 the playoffs. I mean at the end of the season or at the end you have to face the Bengals, Detroit twice, but then you get Green Bay at home there. So um, that'll be tough there, but they're going to have to win. I think if they're really looking at it, they want to be in the playoffs, I think they're going to have to go win at least four of those games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think if they if they if they only win three. Obviously, it depends on what the other NFC team does, but if they do three, only win three of those games, uh, I think it would be tough for them to, to get the playoffs. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it's it, We're getting down to almost every game's kind of a must-win until they hit their really good teams, right? They have to beat these bad teams up while they can because their schedule hardens up at the end. Yeah, and they, you got to be on your they got a tough end of the season with the four weeks with getting the Lions twice. So, yeah, um, be interesting to see. But um, that was the Monday night game. Now let's go ahead and talk about your Packers, Chase. The Green Bay Packers coming off a bye, playing against the worst team in the NFL. Some are saying, walk us through it. Yeah, it was uh, embarrassing, right? I don't know why, but Matt LaFleur has been historically bad off of buys. I think Aaron Rodgers lost every game that he came off of under Matt LaFleur under a bye, right? And this was the worst one by far. Right. We came out there, our offense looked stagnant. You know, Aaron Jones is back. Every time we gave the ball to him, he looked amazing and he only got eleven touches, right? I think it was almost a first down. I think it was I think this the official stat was like eight point seven yards per play when Aaron Jones touched the ball. And then it was three point something when everyone anyone else touched the ball. And then he only got gets eleven touches. Right. If Christian McCaffrey can come back from an injury and just play every offensive snap, Aaron Jones can come back from an injury that he suffered week one. Right and and play some more snaps in eleven. I, I'm confused about his usage. If he's health, if he's healthy, play him. If he's not, don't play him. Right. We don't need this eleven carries game. Then also our offense. You know, I don't know why we continue to throw screen passes when we have no one to block. We don't even have a lineman to block our our quarterback. Why do we throw in screen passes out to tight ends? Our defense has had the same problem for like nine years now. We cannot stop the run. Uh, we had Jahir back out already kevin stokes re-injured his hamstring he this is his first game back he went out playing playing on special teams as a gunner we lost uh lost savage in the safety backfield and uh why am i stumbling over players names and campbell was already out so we had big defensive players big name defense players out it's just uh Packers are injury prone. They're, they look like the Chargers this year, and our offensive minds are not there. I think if we continue down this route and we get a top five pick, I hate to say it, I think you wipe the coaching staff, right? This is, I think our players are good enough, right? We didn't, we shouldn't be this bad after a bye, 
right? That's not on the players coming in and having this unprepared. I think you wipe the coaching staff. If we continue down, become a bottom five team and you try to get a coaching staff that would elevate love and play to his strengths, maybe fix the defense and get a better trainer or, or strength and conditioning coach. I mean, all these guys getting injured, like I know injuries are random, but like, let's try to do something about it. This is crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, you kind of nailed it there on that. I just, um, I'm questioning a lot of Jordan Love's decision-making. I just, I don't think he's a good decision-maker. He, he's throws low quality. Like the percentage of catch is so poor. He keeps throwing those, um, that last, um, that interception that he threw, um, like I get it was third and twenties kind of aired it out there, but like there were two other dudes that were open. Aaron Jones is right there open on the little swing. You could dump it off, have him pick up a 20 yard. There was nobody in front of him. I don't, I don't know who the other receiver was, but he was over on the left-hand side of the field. And it was Watson. I don't know who I mean, was going to be open, but he throws like a double coverage. It's a low percentage throw that, that gets picked off. And I keep seeing people like, that's not on Jordan Lowe. Like if that was a veteran receiver, he would have known to come back at the ball and draw that, the, the PI on it. I'm like, you can't like it. If it's fourth down, sure. Try to get the PI, but on third and 20, like when you have a chance to at least pick up some yards to go for on fourth down, like you can't throw the ball up there for like this Hail Mary and hope for a PI. Like that's like, that just literally just infuriates me that you're going to say, like, try to get the PI, like instead of just making the catch or making the play, like get the foul to pick it up. That's just infuriating. That's just terrible. That's terrible football. Um, and, and, and I hate that. So that's just my thing is, is I'm just, I'm really questioning Jordan's love decision-making. I want somebody to sit down with them and review those throws. Hey, listen, what were you thinking here in this moment? Help me understand what you're seeing so I can understand how to help change and, and coach you better to where you can see the field better to make higher percentage throws. That's what I want to see from Jordan love is the higher percentage throws, um, especially in these do or die situations, right? Got to, can't just toss it up for grabs, especially on a third down. If it's a fourth down, you got to do what you got to do. I'm not going to fault you too much. Um, but especially when it's on a third down, especially when you have another down to go, just uh, got to be better, uh, better decision making with the football. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with half of that, right? I don't, I'm, I am questioning that last throw. I understand that the Kareem Jackson came all the way from right field to pick that off after the ball was thrown, right? He read it as single coverage that the, Romeo Dobbs route crossing the field was supposed to be higher, supposed to take that safety. Romeo Dobbs, Romeo Dobbs cuts it short. The safety is able to go into that double coverage. The pick happens, right? That play is supposed to get open. I am just, I, I'm more questioning the play calls, right? The beginning of the season, even in our loss against the Falcons, our offense looked good. We were humming. The, the uh, plays were working. We were throwing it down the field, right? Everyone was trashing him. He led the NFL in touchdown thrown going into week four they're trashing him because of his completion percentage right he was throwing you know just bombing it down the field you know now he's finishing completion percentage really good right i think going into the third quarter we were losing but he had like a 90 percent completion percentage but he's throwing two or three yards and then we're only bombing it down when necessary i don't know what happened i'm scared that that lion's you know, they came in, rocked us, and now we have to change up everything instead of trying to go back to playing our football. I think we're trying to play other teams, going off what beats them. I don't know really what we're doing. Our Also, our wide receivers are the worst in the league at contested catches statistically. 
they they have a contested catch rate of two percent. You know how bad that is? Two percent contested catch rate. They are they are they are five for twenty five on balls thrown over twenty yards with Watson back. It's just it's it's insane that our wide receivers do not know to come to the ball even even when he overthrows them right. Most wide receivers. I, I noticed in the Packers a lot. This is just a top thing, right? Ohio State does it so well. Wide receivers reach out and pluck the ball out of the air. That's what they're taught. Our wide receivers sit and wait for the ball to come to them, which allows defenders to come in and knock it down, allows defenders to come in and pick it off, right? Some of these throws are on Jordan Love. Some of them are just on an inexperienced team, right? We're the youngest team in the league, and it shows, right? We are, Some of our players have no idea what they're doing out there just from experience. Our defense, I was really surprised. Quay Walker, who's been playing, right? Dumb penalties, but been playing amazing. Been leading the league in, in or leading our team in tackles, just been everywhere on defense. Looked like he wasn't even out there. You might as well set him down. I don't know what he was doing. Jeremy McLaughlin, I think that's his name. Jaleel McLaughlin, whatever his name is. Little 5'10 guy was running all over on us. I mean, it was embarrassing for the Packers. I was just, that was probably the most infuriating Packer game I've watched in a while. Yeah. Let's keep on moving. We're going to get move into our best and worst. Before, Chase, what did you learn from week seven? Yeah, what I've learned is that kickers suck, right? Kickers are awful. They they don't make the kicks. There's four games, right, that if the kicker would have made a field, their field goal that they missed, they would have won the game, right? The Colts had one blocked, right? Uh, Green Bay, Anderson Carlson missed his first one of the season, resulting in us losing by two points, right? And these are not game-winning field goals. These are just everyday down field goals. If you have a good kicker, hold on to him. Jake Moody, I'd argue that the 49ers had a better chance to win if he would have made his kick. Then instead of Brock Purdy trying to make a big play in that uh, third down situation where he throws his last pick, he's just trying to get back in the field goal range to win that game. Right there, there, There's a lot of stuff in here. Kickers week in and week out prove that they are the worst part of football. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. Kickers, it's the most boring part. It's the worst part of football. Watching them miss field goals. I. I, I'm never going to fault any coach for going for it on fourth down instead of bringing trotting his field goal unit out there. Yeah. Listen, um, Pat McAfee, if you're listening, sorry, but uh, I, I agree with you. I mean, kickers, even though my kicker Harrison Butker is a hundred percent on the season, hasn't missed yet. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, I, I agree. It's just, it's not as, um, it's not as fun whenever you get, get the kickers involved. Um, right. You, it's, I guess it's part of the game, right? Part of it where oh, all you gotta do is get the field goal to win. But like, wouldn't this be so much better if you just had to go for it on fourth down every single time? Yes. Like you're on your own ten yard line, screw punting, go for it. If you don't get it, the other team gets it, stop them. It's just that just becomes part of the game, right? I just I know special teams can you know help make or break teams. You know the the change of field position is is something important. But I think football could be a better product if we got rid of special teams altogether. Um, just get rid of Maybe. punting. Get rid of get rid of field goals, like get rid of it all and just play straight up football. Um, and I no, think that I would agree. be, I think that'd be so much better, but I'm with you. Um, what I learned all week seven is that when it's national tight ends day, the tight ends show up. We have none other than the greatest tight end. Some are saying ever of all time, Travis Kelsey, 179 yards in a touchdown. He showed up and showed out. Mark Andrews finally showed up, 63 yards, two touchdowns. Darren Waller finally showed up. He's been on my fantasy 
team all freaking year finally shows up. 98 yards touchdown. Goddard, 77 yards of touchdown. Everett, 26 yards of touchdowns. And Gasecki, only five yards on the day, but the game winning touchdown. And his first so, touchdown of the season. Um, so the tight ends ball out when it's national tight ends day. So that was that's always that's always fun to see. So that's what I learned from week seven is that when it's national tight ends day, it is tight ends day. Yes. Much better from how it was last year. I think last year, National Tight Ends Day, right? The only one that really had a knockout performance, I believe, was Kittle. Probably. Right? It was yeah, like Kittle everyone always is the one that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was literally like every the NFL made it such a big deal. We had like commercials of it, right? The NFL mentioned all the announcers mentioned it. And then all the tight ends just got erased besides Kittle, who like at that noon slot had like a monster game of like 190 or something to touchdown. So it was nice to see some other tight ends spark up in National Tight Ends Day. Besides Darren Waller, right? Have his career game playing me in fantasy. Despicable. Listen, the, the Giants, they look loads better with Tyra Taylor. They do. They do. They do with him. I think there's a legitimate quarterback controversy over there in New York. And that Daniel Jones is in trouble. Um, let's go ahead and move on to our best and worst as we keep recapping week seven, Chase. So go ahead and give me your best. My best is the rookie wide receivers. We have had a phenomenal rookie wide receiver year, right? Into a draft class that even you and me were saying these wide receivers aren't built like they have been, right? This wasn't the best class for wide receivers. They were going to be taken, you know, lower in the draft, right? There's not a premium guy like we've seen it you know last year and the year before that but then this year let me read off just a quick list put you got puka nakua zay flowers josh downs jordan addison michael wilson tank dell rasheed rice marvin mims jr uh then you have jordan reed demario douglas jalen hyatt are all in the top 90 in receiving yards right now some of those guys haven't even been featured like they should be yet on their teams. Then you have JSN sitting at 105, who finally had his breakout game this week, right? He had, I think, 90 some yards in the touchdown. Like, congrats to these rookie wide receivers. Fine, you know, putting on a show. Puka's third in the league in receiving yards. Even with Cooper Cup, he was the the only highlight to that Rams team this this uh, week. So this rookie wide receiver class, which I personally thought was a little bit lower than they past has been, they've been showing out and showing up. So congrats to them. I love to see these young receivers, you know, make plays. Yeah, no, I, I mean, love it. Like we said before, the Viking, Jordan Anderson, right? Second in the league in touchdown catches, like as a rookie, only by entire kill. Like that's impressive. Rasheed Rice for the Chiefs, he's picking up, right? He scored a touchdown in the past, like three games. I think he's got a touchdown in, in three consecutive games. Like he's showing up. So yeah, these, these Zay Flowers had a great game last week. Um, he got his first touchdown a week ago. Like the rookie receivers there are are really starting to pick up. I know there's a lot of talk kind of regarding some of them via or during the off season. Um, just kind of got to give them time to develop and get in there and then and, and show up. So, um, really, the only receiver we haven't really seen anything from at all is Quentin Johnson. I think he's only yes. had like what like five or seven catches so far in the in the entire year. Um, so he's very you know I don't want to say it's him. You know, there's a lot of Things going on with the Chargers that, that we'll get into here in a second. Um, but um, overall, um, it's been very fun with people class to watch. I guess. Yes, I agree. All right. Ooh, my work, or my best, sorry. My best has got to be the best team in the National Football League. 
the Kansas City Chiefs. We are back, baby. We had a little bit of hiatus, right? Where maybe it was the Dolphins, it was the 49ers, maybe it was the Eagles, and then the Kansas City Chiefs back on top. Completely dominating and dismantling division rival Los Angeles Chargers, winning 31-17. to Check this out. This team of the Kansas City Chiefs are the first team to be top five in all three phases as of week seven since the 1999 Rams. Number four in offense, number five in defense, and number two in special teams. This has never happened since 1999 when the Rams won the Super Bowl. Listen, this has been a phenomenal year so far for the defense. Right, we've been waiting for the offense to kind of figure it out and get it together. Right after that piss poor performance against the Broncos on Thursday night, they come back and those problems are gone. Three touchdowns in the in the first half. Right, over 300 yards from Mahomes. Struggled a little bit there in the second half, in the third quarter after some adjustments, and then you know found the end zone again in the fourth quarter. Um, but we moved the ball up and down the field. I mean, 400 yards or four touchdowns. Travis Kelsey almost had 200 yards. I mean, they were just unstoppable. Like, you could not stop the Kansas City Chiefs offense on um, Sunday. Um, and then their defense, right? At first, right, we thought it was coming back and forth, back and forth. Once the Chiefs would score, the Chargers would score. The Chiefs would score, the Chargers would score. And I thought, oh, great, our defense is gone. Like, we used up all of our all of the luck, you know, the first six weeks, and here we go. This is going to be a, a typical Chargers and Chiefs game, right? We're just going to get down to the wire. Go into the lead, right, up 24-17, and they don't allow a single point in the second half, right? Starts off with an interception, punt, 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 interception to lead the game. They did not give an opportunity at all for the Chargers to get back in the game, completely shut them down. I mean, they're just playing at the most elite level, the only defense in the league to not give up 21 points yet in the season. I know they're only top five. I know they don't have all the shock and all of like, you know, like the Browns or the Cowboys, things like that. But I think it's, we have to start having this conversation to where the Chiefs are actually the best defense in football. Good. I'd be open to it. I don't know if I'd agree with it, but I'd be open to it. I mean, I, I'm not saying, I'm not coming out there and saying they are, but I think they definitely have to be in the car, which is never a single, it's not a phrase or a question I thought I would ever offer or ever ask in my entire life, especially the past, you know, six years, all of the Mahomes era, right? The defense has clearly been the weakest link. Oh. Um, and yeah. so far this week, right, they've been, or this season, they've been carrying us, waiting for the offense to figure it out. And it looks like the offense has finally figured it out, right? We thought maybe it was against the Bears that they finally figured it out, and then they regressed. We do this again. So we play the Broncos again. So if we don't show up against the Broncos like we did last week and we play the game, I'll be very disappointed. But after last week, I came back and said that was the most frustrating I've ever been watching a Chiefs game, even though we were winning. This was the one of the best weeks of games of my life watching that because that was fantastic. That was just all over the place, could not be stopped. So let's talk about the Chargers, though, since you're on this game, Chase. So that was my best to Chiefs. The Chargers, though, what is going on with the Chargers? Because that game, um, they couldn't do anything in the second half. Like, at what point, at what point is it? Is it really all Brandon Staley? Is it is Justin Herbert not getting enough of the blame? Like they thought it was an offensive coordinator last year. They shipped him off. They brought in the new offensive coordinator. They're still losing 
Justin Herbert's still a quarterback, right? He still has Keenan Allen, still has Austin Eckler. I know Mike Williams is out, but he's still got pieces right on offense. The defense is trash. I mean, it's the highest paid defense in the league, but they're not doing anything. Um, they only sacked Mahomes once, right? There's just it's not there. They can't defend with crap. That secondary is terrible. The coach, right? We always have these questions about the coach. What do the Chargers need to do to fix it? Yeah, that's that's the question that everyone will be asking this offseason. And the the thing is, is they can't, right? They they can't fix it without tearing it down. And I don't know if you're willing to risk Herbert's, you know, prime per se, tearing it down and rebuilding it, right? The hard part is, is they figured everything out. They needed a quarterback. They found their quarterback and everything fell apart. That's where they're at right now, right? They've got to get Derwin James is a stud. Joey Bosa is okay, I guess. He's not, I wouldn't say he's he's an average player, but he's not one of those tier one pass rushers that he should be, right? Herbert has figured it out. He is a stud week in and week out, whether they lo- lo- win or lose. And then everything around them is just constantly, it's kind of like the Vikings, right? One player can play really good for a couple weeks and then just dip down where we've never seen him again, right? Keenan Allen had a three-week toll where he might have been the best receiver in football. And then after those three weeks, it's like, no, this Keenan, it's this is Keenan Allen. We know who Keenan Allen is, right? None of their cornerbacks can do anything, right? They signed J.C. Jackson. They ended up cutting him. Khalil Mack showed up for one game where he had six sacks and then just went back to the whatever pit he's been hiding in. Like, this is just pitiful for the Chargers. And the hard part is, is there's no easy way to do this, right? There's no next step that you that they have to take, right? They are trapped and they're trapped at least they have some highlight where they're trapped with an elite quarterback. It's the elite though with the career now losing record. He's just been a 500 quarterback his entire, his entire career, 500 quarterback. At what point, listen, I love Justin Herbert. I'm not saying that this is all, but I got to ask the question, like at what point does the quarterback start taking some blame? Cause it feels like Justin Herbert has been, you know, has gotten off scot free this entire time. It's always been somebody else. It's, it's always been somebody else. It's always been somebody else. But at some point, right, you don't score at all in the second half. You are the quarterback. If you're an elite guy, like you have to put up points. You put up 17 in the first half. Why could you put up at least 17 in the second half? Like at what point, an, another game losing interception, right? So at what point, at what point do we start to say, you know, some of this is on Justin Herbert? See, at that, I guess you, you could look at it that way. I, I have, I do not look at QB wins as a way to say because let's. I mean, do you? Jimmy Garoppolo is not an elite quarterback. He's a winning quarterback, though, right? He's got a winning record against teams. He's not an elite quarterback. Sometimes good quarterbacks lose, like Dan Marino. He was not a winning quarterback for a lot of his career. Drew Brees was not a winning quarterback for a lot of his career, right? Sometimes teams are just bad, and you're stuck there. Right. I'm no, I don't want to say now, don't get me wrong. Justin Fields or not Justin Fields, Justin Herbert is not scot free. Right. He did throw the interception on, on the game winning. Right. Same thing we said with Brock Purdy. Right. He, he is the quarterback. He's got to do better than 17 points. Again, this is a top five defense. Right. 17 points with what he would had. Right. They you know, I'm glad they didn't pay Austin Eckler because that guy is a bum. I've been saying it for years. Fantasy relevant, football not relevant. But other than that, that he doesn't really right. They draft bad players. They just draft players that can't hit their full potential. Mike Williams is out for like the ninth season in a row, right? Once you 
you know, he's doing the best with what he has. Sometimes his best isn't enough. Sometimes it is on him. Quarterbacks have bad games. But I, I, I would hate to say that Justin Herbert's not elite because he can't beat the Kansas City Pat Mahomes-led Chiefs. some point, you're going to have to. <laughs> you want to get one of them shiny things that goes on your finger, you're going to have to. Um, but, anyway, yeah. So, but great game. Chiefs are the best, or my best here for this week as they're top five in everything, um, which is phenomenal. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the worst. Chase, hit me with your worst of the week. Yeah, and for, for time's sake and just for not to beat a dead horse, my worst is the same thing we've already talked about, the Green Bay Packers, right? Coming off a of bye week, losing to the Broncos, embarrassing. Like, don't go anywhere near that. That is, and I've seen a lot of bad losses by the Green Bay Packers. That is up there. Coming in a game that we 100% should have won, 100% prepared for, right? And somehow Green Bay is the only team that I know that can go into bye week and put more players on the on the questionable list. Like this, it, it's just it's got to stop. We've got to start winning games, right? I, I it, it's a rebuilding year. I got to readjust my mindset, right? I had that adjusted. We kind of got hot early, right? Playing the Bears, playing a good game against the Falcons, come back against the Saints. I thought, oh, maybe this isn't a rebuild. Maybe it's a retool. Nope. It is full rebuild. We got to remember that. But this loss is the worst in the Packers' rest record right now by far. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's tough, especially when you come out of the bye week and you're still flat. Um, like it's always interesting because you always wonder, like, you know, what you always want to know, kind of where you want your, your buy at and things like that. Like, like, like for me and the Chiefs, like because Andy Reid is so good coming off a of bye, I always want the bye to be right before the week we play the hardest team on our schedule. Right, give us the extra week to prepare, to scheme, and everything like that um, to do that. So that's what I look for. So, and obviously, you know, you think like at this point, like with the with how the Broncos season is, and you're the Packers, you're thinking like, man, I want to come off the bye. This is going to be a get right game. Like we've had plenty of time to practice, um, prepare, and scheme, get healthy. And just like they they didn't do that. And honestly, it's like they literally just went on vacation. Like yes, used their bye week as a legit vacation and not as a semi vacation. Um, you know, semi work, um, but like just a legit vacation. They went, they went full on New York Giants on a boat vacation, and they just <laughs> yes. showed up flat against a terrible team in the Broncos. And it's just one of those things where it's, it's inexcusable. I like what you said. I think that falls ninety percent on the coach, um, yeah. on the coaching staff. I mean, as players and as captains, you kind of have some accountability. Um, but as far as the coaching goes, like the leader of the team to get, it's your job to get them rested. It's your job to get them prepared, to get them focused. And they just weren't at all. Yeah. And so, um, the coaching staff has taken a big hit for, for that one. And it's probably going to take the brunt of the, of the hits all, all season. There's a lot of questionable play calling, a lot of questionable decisions. Um, and as the head coach, you got to eat it. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. All right. My worst. I hate to say this, is the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Man, they when I saw that game, when I saw that they were actually, they weren't favored, right? The Ravens were favored by three points with based on how both of them have been playing. I thought, this is ridiculous. Like, okay, Ravens are the home team. You kind of want to give them a three-point advantage. Okay, I guess I get it. But the way the Lions have been playing, I was shocked when I saw this game. I was looking forward to this game all week. Um, because I don't like the Ravens. Um, and I thought, oh, man, I'm going to watch the Lions go in there. They're going to ball against the Ravens. It's going to be great. And from snap one, at the sound of the starting whistle, 
the Ravens dominated that game from start to finish, and the Lions did not have a chance. It was the most pathetic showing of a team, of a professional team, that I've seen in a long time. Because one, this is this was the old Lions, Chase. This is the old Lions. Yes. The Lions of um the, the Lions of of Lions past, right? Where you show up and get skunked against a good team and leave. Right. This is not the Lions we've seen so far play this season, whose only loss at that point came in a one position game in overtime. Right. They were in that game all the way. This game, they were not in it at all. Now I get it. I get it. You're allowed to be a good team and have a bad game. Not that bad. Not that bad. There is no excuse at all for that, especially when they're coming off of, you know, some big wins. And, you know, Jared Goff was like, I think we can be anybody right now. Like, I just don't know if they just got too cocky, what, whatever it was, but they just did not show up to play at all. They let the, the, I mean, on offense and defense, right? On defense, they let the, they let the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, they let them do whatever they wanted to. They could not stop on offense. They could not do anything. Like, finally, they kind of started going in garbage time when it didn't count, but there for the first half, especially like they had like, I think like two first downs, like the entire first half when the Ravens had like 20, like it was just, that was just the worst game of football played by any team this week. Um, no team played worse football than, than the Lions this week. And it's just tough whenever there's these, these expectations that are being put on them. Um, obviously it's not, you know, a season deal still be fine. This is what I technically call a good loss because it's a non-conference loss. Um, so when it comes to standings, it doesn't hurt you as bad. Um, but man, that was just a very, very poor performance uh, for the Lions and it was just very disappointing to watch. Yeah, no, I, I had picked them as my upset. You did too. You pivoted off them because we had the same upset, right? We both thought this was the game. I just prayed the, praised the Lions just a couple weeks ago. thought they were actually for real. They were looking good. And I think, you know, I, again, this is just in my head, but I think this is what happens when you hire a rah-rah coach, right? That's all talk and you give them, you know, he, he the Lions weren't prepared to play the Lions or the Lions weren't prepared to play the Ravens. They weren't. Physically, they were physically outmatched. The Ravens came in there and smacked them around. And I think that's because their coach is 90% talk, right? That's just me. I've said it already. I do not believe Dan Campbell. You know, I believe coaches take more of the brunt when the, when the players go out there and perform like that. I think that's just the, you know, the players have been playing good all season. They've got up for it. This game, they were not up for it. They were looked unprepared and just sloppy football. I think that goes on more of the coaches and the players. Some players might, you know, come out and say that that's not true. I don't know. That's just how I view it. But yeah, very, very poor performance by the Lions. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, and there's something else to say. Like that was just the worst football I've ever seen play. I think in my life. Like I just, it was so like it was, like the Lions couldn't beat a single team in the NFL last week. Like you put up any team, you put them up against the Broncos, you put them up against the Patriots, the. Uh, the Bears, whoever, whoever you want to call it, like I don't care who they're playing. Like that week, they just did not show up at all, and they would have lost against anybody. So they're yeah. they're definitely my worst for weeks. We'll see how they they turn it around moving forward. Um, after that that tough loss, maybe it was something that they really needed because they haven't really had that yet. Yes, they lost no. in overtime to the Seahawks, but it wasn't like it wasn't like that, right? They could at least held their hell high and say, "Oh, listen, we took them to overtime. Like we probably should have won. There was that no call, whatever." Um, so we're there. I think I'm like, okay, we're still feeling good. But, like this is just a bulldozer. It just ran over you once, backed up and ran over you once. Yeah. 
And so it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Great teams can respond to losses like this and come out and be better for it. We'll see if that's the case here with these Detroit Lions. Um, but so far, their division isn't looking hot anyway, so they can afford these losses and still probably be okay. Um, but they gotta, they're going to have a good get-right game against the Raiders coming up that we'll talk about. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it, but it'll be interesting to see how, how they respond. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, well, let's keep on moving on as we recap Week 7. And now it's time to hand out some game balls. Um, so we hand out each hand out two game balls, one on the offense and one on the defense. Chase, I want you to go ahead and hand out your first game ball, and I'll let you decide where you want to start. Yeah, we'll we'll pivot and we'll go defense this time because I think this guy made a complete showing in the NFL. Right, we, he's had it a couple weeks. I'm giving it to Miles Garrett. Right, this guy dominated. You say what you want about that Browns game, right? I really do think the refs helped them win two games in a row now. Right. They played good enough. This guy played good enough to win that game, though. He had nine total tackles, two strip sacks, one talk, tackle for loss and a block kick. Right. We just talked about kickers suck. Well, he blocked the kick. So that's why they suck. But this guy was just dominant. We've seen a couple weeks ago. He had that lineman following him around. This guy should be in the runnings for defensive player of the year. Like this might be Miles Garrett's year for it. He is yeah. dominating. I think, I think right now so far I pick him as defensive player of the year. Yeah. I think he's the front runner for sure. I mean, T.J. Watt's been balling out, and you know, had interceptions stuff like that. But as far as like total game wreckage, um, so far there's been a couple of those games where Miles Garrett has been like taken over, um, yeah. and at least you know one of the best defenses in the league. He, I mean, he was you know had that fumble that was a touchdown that that they got a touchdown off of. So he was a yeah. part of the reason why, literally, part of the reason why they won is because they needed that touchdown right to win. Like as you said, very very questionable play calling, or not play calling, refereeing, officiating mm. there. Very, very bad. Like whenever there's just blatant missed calls or stuff like that, it's just or freebie. It's just tough. It's just not fun to watch when it's so no. when it's so like that. Um, and it, and it's just tough. But still, you know, they're able to to get the win. But my question is, is it's so weird because like the week before they shut out essentially the forty nine. In this week, they give up what was it forty points 30. almost. Yeah, 35 or 38 35 points. 35 to, to Gardner yeah. Minshew. Like, they just, the Colts could just do move up and down all they want. So, it's just it's so weird to see how each week can change the NFL whenever you have these defenses that are like, this is an elite defense. They're held them, you know, to the least amount of yardage and through five weeks of the season or something like that. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, Gardner Minshew goes in there, throws for 305, um, you know, 305 <laughs> yards, rushes for more too. Like, he yeah. had a couple of rushing touchdowns and stuff like that. And they just really just kind of pretty much for the most part do whatever they want. Like the only thing that they that they did wrong, really, one, obviously, had that misfield goal, the block field goal. And two, that strip sack that led to a touchdown. Like, if not for those two things, they win this game. Uh, but that goes to the point with the defense and Miles Garrett because he was instrumental in both of those. So, game ball, well-deserved, Miles Garrett. Also, love your last name. <laughs> Good, good call. Um, um, let's stay defense. I'll stay defense, and I'll go ahead and do this to another guy. Um, this is a guy, I'll be honest, I've never heard of this brother a day in my life. But it's going to be defensive back Cameron Bynum. If I'm saying that right. Bynum. From the minute Bynum. Cameron Bynum from the Minnesota Vikings. Um, two interceptions, um, which is impressive. But not only were they two interceptions, but they were both interceptions on the very last two drives that the 49ers had. Right? 49ers, they just scored a touchdown. You have to go. You have to get the ball back. 
49ers are driving, 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 driving to get into, um, to try to take the lead, right? Boom, interception. You get it. You do your little warm thing. And then, okay, awesome. Offense has like four-minute drill. They have a chance to run out the clock, um, maybe score a touchdown, maybe at least kick a field goal. They get down. They end up having to settle for a field goal, kick a field goal, miss it. You're like, oh, no, the 49ers get another chance to start at the 40-yard line. 49ers get the ball. Moving down the field. Boom, boom, boom. Then Brock Purdy, boom, interception again. And who is it? Cameron Bynum for the game ceiling interception. So not only two interceptions, but two on the two final drives, the game sealer. You get my game ball. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, we've been talking about how kind of bad this uh, Vikings defense is, yet that's back-to-back game ceiling interceptions that's rewarded game balls with Byron Murphy getting the game ball, my game ball last week. So may- maybe they're better than we think, or maybe we just, uh, we I think we reward big plays in Miami, one, or not Miami, uh, Minnesota. One thing they can do is on both sides of the ball, they can make those big plays, right? They can't make every play that's needed to win a game, but they can make those big plays. That leaves the offense. I'm going with an undrafted D2 football player, Tyson Baggett, right? The quarterback for the Chicago Bears in a game that he had no business winning coming in there. I mean, he had, honestly, this kid coming into to this week had no business winning any game in the NFL, right? The NFL is a hard game to win. We just said every given week, right? But there is... It's a hard game to play. There's superstars, you know, Heisman quarterbacks that come in and can't play in the NFL. And this guy came in and won on his first start. 21 for 29, 162, a touchdown. More importantly, he did not turn over the ball, right, leading to that win. Yes. So uh, game ball, well-deserved, I would say. You know, just an incredible story to root for. Uh, Undrafted guy, free agent, playing for a D2 school, you know, just – Congratulations, Andy. Tatted up white guy. Like, you don't see too many of them quarter tatted up white quarterbacks running around like that. So, just a fun guy to watch. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was crazy because that was, um, it was one of those things where like he didn't really help them win the game, but he didn't do anything for them to lose, right? He played a perfect type of game manager type of thing where he did just enough to get them win. I mean, Dante Foreman had a game, three touchdowns there. You know, were able to run it in. Obviously, he made some plays and stuff, and so definitely you don't want to try to take anything away from him. But, um, but it was, it was so I'm great. I, going into that game. Um, um, I like you. You never heard of this guy, right? Some D two mm-hmm. walk on, basically. And you're like, what the freak? I was like, leave it to the Bears to have a backup quarterback from D two, no name, you know, school. Like you could yeah. even have like somebody like you know from an actual college, like to be yes. the backup to Justin Fields. Guy. But he showed up and showed out, and I think a well-deserved game ball. Like he was, um, I almost thought I almost put him as my best of the week, um, just because that's that's awesome, right? Get out there, you know, be a nobody, right? There's we've seen plenty of nobodies coming. Like Brock Purdy, right, was a nobody, you know, even coming from a D1 school, right? Um, slow more of a somebody, but still, Mr. Ellen kind of nobody. What he was done, you know, we know the, the story of Tom Brady, right? Um, so there's plenty of people that have come in as you know undrafted and are able to. Um, to make to make plays and kind of find a place in this league and play at a high level. So we'll, we'll see if there's just like a, I'm interested to see like you know, is this like a one off? Is this kind of is you going to kind of get better on this? Like what a, what's it going to mean for like the future of the Bears? There's just so many questions. Like yes. is, is batching the guy? Is it really Fields? Are they going to move off with the normal bit? Like there's just so many 
<laughs> so many things going on here with yeah. this. And so I love a great quarterback controversy. So I'm, I'm rooting for Badgett here the next couple of weeks so he can go in there and, and ball out and, and have some fun. It's a fun story to watch. Yeah. Yeah, very fun. All right, my offensive game ball, kind of already touched on it, but want to give my props to Lamar Jackson. It's going to get my game so, ball. 357 yards, three touchdowns um, through the air, another touchdown rushing. Um, really was just um, unstoppable. I mean, they, they didn't have an answer for him. They didn't have an answer for you know the Lions on defense at all for any offense, any offensive play that they ran. Yeah. But this was... Um, I, I'm not on the train where I know a lot of people are saying like, oh, this is the Ravens team. They're the number one team in the league. Like this is blah, blah, blah. Like I'm not on that train because I've seen what they've played before. I think this was a, one of those more of a indie game. Like this is like if they show up to play 100%, like this is what they could be. But also it took the Lions to not show up at all um, for it to be like this. Like the Lions didn't yeah. put up a, a fight at all, no. right? So there's a lot of conflicting things there like, Ravens showed up at 100%, Lions showed up at 0%. So you're getting the best of the best, and you're getting the worst of the worst. So it's hard to, to, to look at that as kind of like a milestone in your season of that. Um, so I'm not really into it at all. I, um, you know, I picked the Ravens to miss the playoffs. Um, I've seen what they've kind of been like throughout the season. I don't think this is really who they are as a team. I don't think this is the team we're going to get um, every single week. But got to give credit when credit's due. Um, and so Lamar Jackson um, for balling out and just dominating every single snap, every time he touched the ball, it's getting my game ball for this week. Yeah, and uh, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens are known to do this once a year, right? They're known to to be show up to the to the game that no one else shows up to, right? That that MVP year, right? That was that week one that where uh, Tank for Tua Dolphins were going in and it looked like they were actually trying to lose the game. Like Lamar could do no wrong. I think he only had to throw 15 ball or he threw 12 balls for like 90% had a pass, had one of the highest passer ratings. So Lamar and the Ravens are known to do this. It doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, walk to the Super Bowl. but respect, you know, Lamar, you look great. Your wide receivers could hold on to the ball today. You didn't throw any interceptions. So, you know, congrats, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. Those are our game balls. So let us know in the comments who you give your game balls to, right? Pick an offensive player and a defensive player, right? There's a lot of a lot of good football. We only have two to give out, so we got to give it to two here uh, that we think um, deserve it the most. Um, let's head to where we were right and where we were wrong, Chase. So hit me with where you were right this week. Yeah, where I was right, I'm going to go back to Thursday Night Football, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right, I predicted them to do really good. They showed they they slowed down. I almost gave up on them. I decided to give them one last try when they went to London, and somehow they figured it out. They were moving pretty good. All cylinders. They had a little blip in like the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, where the Saints maybe could have caught up. Then they kind of put the game back, you know, back away. Right. I know Derek Carr missed that throw, but uh, I just think Jacksonville looked good, and that's the team that I'm rocking with. You know, as my number two seed in the in the AFC, and I think they can do it. I, you know, I'd be very surprised if they drop one or two more games, right? I think that's the most they would drop the next time. I think they they've got all their bad losses to the Texans and all that under their belt, right? And now it's time to pave the way with some ex- excellent football. So um, I'm gonna go back where I was right um, was taking the Browns over the Colts. Um, that was honestly a game that I kind of wrestled with just because of the emotional win that the Browns came off of. Sometimes you think that there's kind of a dip in that, you know, after you kind of really, um, yeah. really put it all out there against a really good team and get the win, there's kind of an emotional and play kind of drop. Um, but 
you know, for the most part, like it really was. I mean, yeah, their defense gave up a ton of yards and a ton of points. Um, Deshaun Watson goes out again. P.J. Walker comes in and balls. I love P.J. Walker since he played for the Houston Roughnecks in the XFL. Um, and so I was able to dominate there. But um, it's just um, stuck with my gut and, and picked the Browns. And so, you know, I was right in picking that, even though it was kind of – they were helped a little bit there with <laughs> some officiating and stuff for sure. Um, but, but at the end of the day, you know, the Browns get get the win. And so, you know, I feel good about, um, about picking them to win that game. Yep, yep. Very good pick. Right. Where I was wrong, right? And this is this is wild because I went I went maybe the easy route. I was wrong about ev- almost every other game this week. It was insane. Even the games that I got right, if you would have asked me what I thought would have happened, I would have been wrong in it. Like it was just it was a sh- a showing of just a complete what wildness is why I like the NFL, right? This week, I don't think this week happens. You could play the same schedule three more weeks in a row and it doesn't happen, right? The Brown, the Colts don't put up 38 points or 35 points, whatever they did against them, right? Gardner Minshew led. The Bills don't drop another, you know, drop, drop a game to the Patriots again. The Giants don't finally look like a team with a backup quarterback. The Lions showed up. We already talked about them. The Bears, we talked about them. The Falcons, you know, they. I thought I, I picked the Falcons to win. I'm, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be wrong about. But the Falcons, without Bijan, fumbling in the red zone, didn't look like the team that I thought they were going to be. The Rams lost. I mean, this was just a poor showing. I went five and eight. The first time this year I'm going under 500. And this is just, I mean, just a schlacking by some teams, some upsets, some teams that should win that just couldn't just, wow. I was wrong about a lot this week. Too much to put into words. So, week, of, week of upsets, um, for sure, minus the one that I've used. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, where I was wrong, um, I think I was wrong in counting the Steelers out too early. Um, so... You know, going into the season, all offseason, you know how how I was on the Steelers. I mean, they were they were my team, not to win the division, but they were my team. Like this is the team that missed the playoffs last year that's going to be able to win the playoffs this year. For the first four weeks, they were playing awful football. the The defense wasn't as dominant as we're used to seeing. The offense was terrible. They were not moving the ball, not scoring points at all. It was terrible. So they, they were at the two and two mark. We did the segment where we went over um, which teams, which two and two teams we thought were pretenders or contenders. Um, and I listed them as pretenders. Um, I got off, I got off my own train that I was kind of running myself. And I said, listen, what I've seen through two, four weeks, um, it's just been terrible. Um, and then since then they've won two games. So am I the motivating factor against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Maybe who's to say, um, but, um, they're definitely still in play as of right now. They're in the playoffs, right? They still got a long way to go. Um, but that win over the Rams was big. Right, got to win against teams that you should win. Like the Rams, I'm not necessarily surprised at this. Team. I don't think the Rams are this great team. Even though I picked the Rams to beat the Steelers, um, but you got to win those games against teams that you probably should beat. Um, George Pickens finally had a game going over 100 yards, so they looked um, they looked really good. Um, but the defense still has to figure stuff out. Right, you can't give up over 100 yards to Puka Nakua. I mean, they they held Cooper Cup in check, but um, it was still just one of those things where some uncharacteristic things were stealing from. Um, from the Steelers defensively. Um, and so if their offense can just keep picking up, and this is, you know, as I said before, what happened last year, right, with the offense, um, they started off bad, and then they turned it around and started playing better, right? There's the second half of the season. So obviously they're still in the first half of the season, so they can only get really get better from here. Um, I'm going to say that's where I'm wrong. I'm going to hop back on the Steelers train um, and say I was counting the Steelers out too early. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. All right. That is our week seven recap. Um, and still, still trying, still win. So we're trying to recap those faster and faster, but still, just too much to analyze it and talk about and go over. So we'll get a real quick week eight preview here um, as we go into week eight. Um, so pulling up everything here, let's first go ahead and hop into the Thursday night game with the Bucks taking on the Bills. What are your initial thoughts here on this Thursday night game? Yeah. First glance, this is the best primetime game we get this week on a Thursday night. Real flip of the switch from how normally Thursday nights are bad. Um, I think the Bucks are still a frisky team. They could still win this. <laughs> um, I'm going to go on record again. I've said this for two weeks now. I think this might be the Bills' masterclass. We know it's coming. Even the Bills haters know that they, you know, the Bills bounce back when they shouldn't win a game that doesn't mean anything to get the media real excited. This might be prime time, right? This might be their bounce back game. I'd really like that. Give it something. Uh, I'd like Baker maybe to show up in this game. I don't, you know, that defense has not been there. This could be where he kind of gets back on his high horse that he was on at the beginning of the season. Mike Evans maybe show up again. So I expect a lot of offense and not a lot of defense from this Thursday night game. And so who are you picking to win? The Bills. The Bills, yeah. I mean, listen, this is one of those things where it's like so (laughs) – I just don't get it's so hard to pick because like every everything tells me the Bills should obviously win this game. Like going into the season, I, I pin this as automatic dub for the Buffalo Bills. Like there's no they have no reason losing this game. But I've seen them play the last three weeks and they haven't shown up to play until the fourth quarter. Now the Bucks are starting to be like a team showing like a team that we thought they they were going to be. Right, they had a couple of those big wins there at the beginning to kind of go off like three and one, and we're like, "Whoa, the heck!" And all of a sudden, now the last two couple of games they've they've lost and hasn't been playing very well. Like, okay, yeah, these are kind of the bug scenes that we thought we were going to see. But this just uh, this just feels to me like it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be fourth quarter, the Bills are going to be down, and it's going to be is Josh Allen going to be able to lead this comeback, and just. Everything, logically, my brain, everything is telling me to pick the Bills. But a tiny little thing right here, right in the old corazón, is saying, Buccaneers. I'm rolling with my corazoncito, and we're going with the Buccaneers. I'm picking the Buccaneers to win this game. Close game. Um, Close game. I don't think it's going to be this um, offensive shootout. Uh, I think it's going to be a more close game because both teams have struggled, are struggling. Um, I just think some way um, Baker made it from the Bucks are going to be able to pull it out. I'm riding with the Bucks. Okay, I respect it. Respect it. I'd love Baker to pull it out. That'd be awesome. But I just I have a feeling this is Josh Allen's bounce back game. So when Josh Allen didn't have a bad game last year, last week, let's not pretend he did. He threw for almost 300 yards, one pick, two touchdowns laser of a shot to Stefan Diggs to put him in field goal range when they dropped it. So let's not pretend he had a bad game last year. Well, I mean, you did let Mac Jones out throw you. So, you know. Yeah, but he's not playing strong safety or middle linebacker out there picking off Jones. So, but all right. Sunday night football. Bears Chargers. This is despicable. I, I hope this is the Chargers, like, come out game, right, where we can finally, you know, us Herbert faithfuls can finally say, see, he is good, right? I want Herbert to throw like nine touchdowns. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm pretty sh- certain that the Chargers are going to win. 
this is a game that if you're a gambling guy or a fantasy guy, you have to have someone, you know, a bet going or a person on your team to pay attention to this game because it's not going to be an interesting one. This is a dud. This is why we need to flex weeks as soon as week six. Like week four, you should be flexing games. We know who the good teams are. And uh, I've seen a lot of people real fast. I've seen a lot of people say that the Bears were not favored. They're, you know, they they didn't have all this preseason hype. It was kind of made up. A Sunday night football game week eight against, a, you know, not a rivalry at all. Fields, Herbert, no, you know, rivalry. This is because they expected the Bears to be good. Right. This is this is the off off season. season. Yeah, all off season we were fed where Justin Fields was going to be an MVP. Like the Bears are going to be back. Like we'll pair up, you know, Fields and and more in these like duos, like combinations. Like who's stopping this duo? And I was just like, bro, like we were set. We even had a whole segment where we were saying pump the freaking break. So I'm with you. We got to flex these games now. Like there's got to like Kimmy. We have the Bears and the Chargers over Bengals and 49ers. Yeah. Like seriously, <laughs> or we even could have put Houston and, and Carolina right to pick number one oh, and two. So good, like we could have had that on prime time. Like there's just so many better games here that we could have had just off the like off the bat, like off the get go, yes. like yes. whenever you're creating the schedule. But let alone where we see it, it now and, and be able to flex it. So I'm with 100. Listen, if the Chargers don't win this game, if, if the Chargers don't win this game, Brandon Staley's getting fired. Immediately. I agree. Like immediately, like this, this has to be the game. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a, a masterclass from Justin Herbert where he puts up, you know, we haven't really seen that since week one against the Dolphins, right? And he definitely should against the Bears. But part of me just feels like at this point, we're not really going to see that again from, from the Chargers. Like they're just so down in the season to where like, I just feel like their spirit has just completely been ripped out of their chest. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think we're going to see this like 31 to eight game. Um, I think it might be a little bit closer, but I still think the Chargers win by two scores. Um, I mean, I have to ride with the Chargers. Even as much as, you know, the Bears, badge it's like a fun story, and they kind of dominated the Raiders there. I still think the what they have on offense, the Chargers, is still just better than anything the Raiders have and better than anything the Bears on defense can stop. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Right. Monday night. Football. Monday night game. Um, Vegas at Detroit. Yeah, this is Detroit showing the world that they even, you know, even the old Lions would win this game, right? They get kicked in the in the mouth, and then they come back and win this game. I don't think there's there's nothing telling me that the Raiders even have a shot. You know, we just seen Brian Hoyer get outplayed by a walk on D2 guy, right? He threw two picks against a really, really bad uh, bank or Bears secondary. So Lions big in this one. Maybe That's not big, big Monday nights. Yeah, like, I mean, I think it'll be big. I mean, the Lions, they got the, the, they're one of their alternate unis with that cool throw, the helmet and the grades, yeah. so they're going to look fly. Listen, they, listen, this might be Josh McDaniels' last game, too. Like, at some point, Josh McDaniels has to get let go as well. He's been a terrible coach. we making terrible decisions. Everywhere. Like, why are you going to put Brian Hoyer in and start a quarterback? It's like, I don't know. It's just, it's just terrible. Like, he does not cut it out to be a coach. Offensive coordinator, sure, but a head coach making those decisions, just not at all. And I know, um, you know, Vegas, you can say, oh, they brought in Jimmy G and he hasn't done it. Jimmy G is always freaking hurt. This is what you sign up for whenever you have Jimmy G on your team. Like, do you not look at his career in freaking 49ers? Did you not watch that? Every single season he missed time. And, like, this is just part, you know, par for the course here. Um, and so, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think this is definitely the get-right game for, for Detroit. I don't think Detroit's going to have any problem with, with the Raiders at all. And so it'll be a game where they can kind of get right and do it in prime time, right? To wash that 
nasty taste out of their mouth from that beat down from the Ravens. So I like the Detroit by a lot. Yep, yep, I agree. I agree. Detroit by a mile. All right, quick preview. Um, our two favorite teams here. Um, go ahead and give me your quick preview there for the Packers. They're taking on the Minnesota Vikings at home. Yes. So this is this is a tricky game again, right? Minnesota, we normally split it with Minnesota even when they're bad. So even when they were really good winning games last week or last year, we held them week 16 to almost no no points and beat them pretty bad with Aaron Rodgers. This game is even right now, money line. Literally no team is favored in this. Uh, I, I, I'm going to pick the Packers because I'm a homer and also they're at home. But I think this could be a close game. I think this is a real can, – can Jordan Love compete in this game? And more importantly, right now, what I've seen from the season, can the coaching staff allow the team to play to keep it competitive in this game? Or are we going to have to try to do some mop-up stuff after you know the lead? I want to see us actually throw the ball, actually get some plays in the first half of games, which we failed to do since that Lions game. Yeah, I'm going to – I got to ride with the Vikings on this one. Um, I just um... – I just I'm not seeing anything from the Packers that would give me confidence yeah. in thinking that they could win this game. Um, I've seen I've seen a lot of things from Minnesota, even though they haven't been winning. I've still seen a lot of things from Minnesota that I've liked. Um, I think Kirk Cousins is playing um, really good football. I think a lot of the losses aren't on him. It's on obviously we, uh, his defense hasn't been good. There's been a lot of turnovers that have happened on his on his receivers, like his skill players. Right, he's not really the one turning the ball over as much, um, and so. Just from what I've seen from Green Bay, I just lack the confidence being able to say, yes, they can win this game even out. So I, I got to roll with the Vikings on this one. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. All right. Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs rematch against the Denver Donkeys. Um, this time it's at Denver, 3.25 p.m. Central Start. Listen, we, we saw this game play out two weeks ago. Um, I don't. I see it going different in the fact that I don't think we're going to struggle in the red zone. I, up in the Broncos are still who they were two weeks ago, even coming off of that win. And the Chiefs are even better than they were two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. One team, you know, we kind of got it figured out there. Hopefully um, we can repeat that success against the Broncos. I, really not much to preview with this one. It should be a walk in the park here for Kansas City. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, like, what is the old meme? The white call wasn't even invented the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs. Like, it, it it's still not going to be. I think, um, yeah, so I think still it's, so a, yeah, so it's a 16-game win streak. Um, obviously, Mahomes doesn't have all of those. I think he's got, like, 12 of them, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. But with this win, if they win on Sunday, I know I saw today that it'll Mahomes will set an NFL record for the most consecutive games against a single opponent to the start of their career. Wow. Um, so it's, you know, another record that just a, a sur- absurd record that Mahomes can break here uh, tomorrow on Sunday. But I would be, yeah, I would be shocked if this game goes any different than the game that we played last week against the Chargers. I think it would probably yeah. be that point if if the Broncos were even able to score past eight like they were last time we faced them. So um not not worried about that one at all. Yes. Nope, I agree. All righty. Let's move into our lock picks here, Chase. So who are you guaranteeing a win? Yes, and I will, I'll keep this brief because I know this is your big game preview and I don't want to step on your toes. I want you to give out the most information. But this is finally the week. Brock Purdy comes back. The 49ers come back. That Bengals team, which have been struggling really hard. You know, the, our, my lock of the week is 49ers over Bengals. They get their signature. 
you know, 49ers get a signature win. They can people stop you calling frauds. They can say, hey, you know, they just had a bad two weeks, right? And and Brock Purdy, right, didn't play well in the rain, threw two interceptions. It kind of played decently well. The Vikings, I, I think this Brock Purdy comes back to his, his form, puts his name back in the hat for MVP and shows up against the 49 or against the Bengals. Yep. My big game previous, I'll touch on that here a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I agree with the 49ers pick. Um, my lock pick is going to be the Indianapolis Colts over the Saints. Um, I am guaranteeing that win. Um, I think the, the Colts are just better offensively. Um, and I, I think the Saints are better defensively, but I just like the Colts offense. I mean, if they were able to do that to the Browns defense, they're for sure going to be able to do that against the Saints defense. Yes. And the Saints team, right? The Saints are just the Saints are struggling, and the Colts have this kind of moxie about them, right? Where they play kind of, I don't want to say yeah. carefree, but they kind of care with like a I don't give a crap attitude. They're just kind of out there playing backyard, not backyard football. There's out there, not backyard football in the sense that they're just kind of running doing stuff, but backyard football where it's like you're just playing, you're having fun, you're trying different things, and it's fun, and, and you're and you're doing things. So um, I like the Colts to to, to beat the Saints. Yeah, the Colts are a fun team because, you know, they got nothing to lose, right? They lose the game, it helps them, right? This year's a wash. Your your, your quarterback that the year was all about is out. So now, you, I mean, you got no reason to win games other than to win. You got no reason to lose games other than the draft, you know? So it's just the, the Colts have a fun to them. And is there anything better in the NFL than Minshew Mania? I tell you, every time this guy's a starting quarterback, it's just, it's much, almost must, must watch TV. Like Minshew Mania just needs to be a permanent thing each year for a different team. That'd be cool. Just travel around whatever team's struggling. Minshew joins them. Sign Minshew. <laughs> I like it. Um, right. Yeah. Well, those are our locks. Um, go ahead, Jason, hit us up with our upset alerts. Jace, who's on upset alert this week? Yeah, this is a tough week to find an upset. I kind of liked all of the teams getting favored really. So I had to do some searching. I think this is the last week that we have a winless team in the NFL. I think the upset alert is the Tennessee Titans, or not, sorry, Tennessee Titans, uh, Houston Texans on upset alert against Frank Reich and the Panthers, right? We got we got the number one and number two pick battling it out. I think Brock, per, or not Brock Purdy, man, I'm fumbling words pretty bad tonight. Bryce Young performs out of his mind. This is his best game by far. And he, rem, you know, he reminds the world, hey, I'm number one. CJ Stroud is number two. I don't think CJ Stroud plays bad at all. I really like CJ Stroud. I think he's probably leading right now for my rookie of the year vote. But I just think this is probably the game. You know, Frank Reich's, you know, maybe on the hot seat a little bit, right? He they traded all these things, they brought in all these things for him, and he is underperforming a lot. I think this is a game that he could use to try to right that ship and say, Hey, you know, I just got a young team. Give me some time. Yeah. Now I'll say he's on the hot seat. This is his first year coaching the Panthers, yeah. right? With the rookie quarterback and things like that. So definitely have to have more. More, more gross that. I guess unless you're the Texans where you just have a one coach and fire him and have next year <laughs> yeah. have another coach and fire him, right? Um, but um, listen, I can see that happening. The, the Panthers have started to actually play well lately. Um, yes, they're still losing, um, but they've actually started to play well. Bryce Young is coming along and starting to play well. They don't really have a lot of help defensively. They don't really have a whole lot of help offensively really to help them, but they are kind of going there. But um, I got to roll with, with the Texans on this one. I still just think, you know, um, both the teams are coming off of a bye, but the Texans are just playing really at a at a very high level. Um, I love their coach. I think they're well coached, and so I don't think this is going to be a time where they come off the bye um, and play down to the competition. I think that they're going to be disciplined and come off and play well. Um, would would be a crazy thing to happen, right? I love Bryce Young. He's my guy. I would love to see him finally get a win. This might 
be, I haven't seen their schedule. This might be his best chance at getting a win. Obviously, any given Sunday, anything can happen. Um, but as far as kind of looking and forecasting, right, this might be the best chance for him to get that first win. Yeah. Um, so I'll be, you know, I'll be rooting for the guy, you know, to do well. Um, but I still think that Houston gets the win. Um, my upset alert. Um, you almost stole it for a second. I was getting worried there. Um, I've got the Tennessee Titans upsetting the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, listen, this is probably me just being low on the Falcons right every single week. But listen, what I what's been struggling about the Falcons is is they just turn the ball over so much. If they wouldn't turn the ball over, they could put up they could be winning these games by double digits. But instead, they keep turning the ball over. Desmond Ritter has an interception, has a turnover problem. He's throwing the ball, he's throwing interceptions, all this different stuff. For as much as he puts together pieces of the game where he's playing well, he also does these stupid things, right? Obviously, he's got, you know, his defense has been helping to bail him out. His kicker has been bailing him out, right, where they're able to get in the field. That's two weeks in a row, you know, walk-off kicks for the win. Um, but um, I just – the Titans, I think – I don't think they're anything offensively. But I think they are going to be good defensively, right? We've seen teams go up against them that are hard to score against on, on defensively. Um, I think Desiree is going to have a hard time going against them defensively. And I think that the Titans can do just enough offensively to get enough points that their defense kind of handle the Atlanta's offense. And so I'm going to pick the Titans on the upset. Yeah, I I – I, I like it when you don't pick the Falcons, right? You pick the Falcons and Desmond Ritter lost their first home game. So keep not picking the Falcons. I think the Falcons are a really good team. Again, like you said, they won this game and they had three turnovers in the red zone, two of them being touchbacks, fumbles on the goal line, right? I think they are a very, very good team that just, you know, got a young, inexperienced team that needs to, you know, kind of put it together. I don't think the Titans are really anything. I think Vrabel's kind of a raw, raw guy too. He had that one historical, you know, kind of crazy run in 2019 and then they've been, kind of just mid since then so i'm not scared of the titans let's bring him on bring him on let's wrap this episode up here real quick with our big game preview right so walk us through real quick chase remind our viewers what the big game preview is and go ahead and give us yours yeah, so Ed, there's a lot of NFL games played every week. The big game preview is two of the games that we've picked that are not prime time that maybe you should keep an eye on, right? They have huge implications down the season for uh, playoffs. And, you know, even though that I think both of them that we've picked today weren't divisional games, they'll, they'll be huge, either litmus test or games that they look back on and be like, man, if I could just have won that one, I could have got the next seed or got into the playoffs. Right. So these are huge games that you need to be interested in this this week. And for this week, I guess I'll just run with it right now. I'm going to switch it up. Normally, I go with the offensive firepower of the two weeks, you know, trying to see which one that is. You know, I've been the Falcons winning their division, the Jags. I'm confident in them. I'm going to take a step back, go over to the defensive side of the ball with the Seattle Seahawks and the Browns. Right. These two teams have had offenses that we expected a lot out of that haven't lived up to anything. Right. Geno Smith, that's a great story that last year about him not writing back. He's maybe starting to put the pen on the page. Right. I don't know if he's writing back yet, but he's definitely sitting down thinking about it. Right. He's not has been his best year. Not anything like we've seen last year, but the Seattle defense is slowly keeping them in games. Same thing with the Cleveland Browns. Right. We knew their offense wasn't the greatest. They lost Nick Chubb, who they were kind of kind of lean on all season. Deshaun Watson has been in and out of games. P.J. Walker's come in and, and won games, but like won them how, right? So I think these are gonna, it's going to be which defense gives up the most points, right? These defense, like we've seen last week, the defense can be scored on with the Cleveland Browns, but Miles Garrett is the game wrecker. This Seattle Seahawks defense coached by the great defensive mastermind Pete Carroll has just kind of put it together finally, right? So this is going to be a kind of a defensive low-scoring battle. Who can – 
get that last play, right? Which defense messes up the most? So this is this is that is mine. I'm taking the Seahawks over the Browns. Listen, I think you broke that down wonderfully, and I'm riding with the Seahawks as well. Um, I think the Browns, even though the the Browns defense is awesome, I love the Seahawks defense. I love Devin Witherspoon. Yes. He is yes. a playmaker. Um, he's gonna he's gonna dominate. And um, Judas Smith, looking to kind of have him see him have his game. He hasn't really had his game. We're like, oh, you know, right? So excited to see that. I think he can. I think he can do that um, this week. I like the Seahawks as well over the Browns. My big game preview to wrap it up here is going to be the 49ers versus the Bengals, um, right? So these are two teams, right? Um, each different conference, right? So non-conference game, but these are two teams that expect to be at the top of their conference, right? Every year so far, we've done this is a potential Super Bowl matchup that we can get midseason um, to really see this litmus test of two, you know, competitors throughout the season as top contenders. Um Two teams are in two different situations, right? The 49ers are coming off of two losses, where the foreign or yeah, 49ers are coming off of two losses, where the Bengals are coming off of two wins after starting off with a lot of losses, right? Um, so it looks like the Bengals are finally starting to turn around, where the 49ers are kind of getting in the slump. So what better time than to be able to break that slump and get out than a game at home against the Bengals? Um, the Bengals are getting their bye. They got their bye this past week at the most Perfect time, right? Go into the bye after struggling out the gate, um, three and three, right? You're sitting at 500. You've got some players that are injured, right? Joe Burrow, we know, has been injured with his calf. We get an extra week there to, to help rest that. T. Higgins, he's got some injuries to get to rest him, right? So maybe get him back. Um, but the biggest thing is going to be Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow needs to be healthy. He's not been playing like we know Joe Burrow has so far this season. If he shows up like that Joe Burrow, I don't think the Bengals stand a chance. If he shows up as Joe Burrow, I think it would be a game, um, but I still would pick the 49ers. Um, so just going to see which team we're going to get from the Bengals. And honestly, at this point, I have to say which team we're going to get from the 49ers. The good news is, though, with the 49ers, they played three games at home so far. They're undefeated. We saw the last time they played at home, and they had that domination against the, the Cowboys. So at home is where they're good at this year, whereas the Bengals have struggled. They're one and two playing away games. So going to be a tough, tough, um, tough game to play for the Bengals to come into to be there against the 49ers. Um, but um, the Bengals need this one because they can't drop to three and four. They drop into three and four, especially with how it looks like in their division, right? Steelers are better. Browns are better. Um, you know, the Ravens are better, right? So they would all have better records there. Obviously, it's still early in the season. Um, but to start off going there three and four, um, especially with the schedule that the Bengals have moving along um, the way, um, it's going to be very tough, and they can't really afford because they have to go against, after the 49ers, they have to hit a Buffalo. I don't think Texans will be a good out. They have to go to Baltimore again, still have to play Pittsburgh twice. They have to play the Jags, um, and they have to play Kansas City still. So um, a lot of tough opponents still on their on their um, schedule. It'll be tough to start the season three and four to figure out how they're going to be able to, to come out of that. So I think the Bengals need this one more than the 49ers. But the 49ers want this one more than the Bengals. They've been the laughing stock of the league so far for the past two weeks, right? Coming off of embarrassing losses, Brock Purdy, um, all those haters are getting loud. So I'm betting on him to show up and show out. Um, and I'm picking the 49ers to get the W. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with everything you said there, right? 49ers, I think, are the better team. You already heard me break it down kind of in my lock. So those are two 
AFC North versus NFC West matchups that you got to keep your eye on, right? I didn't even realize that until until you you see, you know, there are two games that you know both of them, right? That's going to be huge standings for their for their own divisions within those two games. Huge standing for the playoffs. Keep your eyes on those. And there you have the breakdown. There we go. The week eight previews. Let us know in the comments, obviously, your thoughts there on recapping week seven and week eight. If you haven't already, make sure you like and follow the show. Um, share with us on your friends and family members. We're on everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, um, everywhere on YouTube. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel as well. So we'll post some mini clips and things like that. Thanks so much for following along. We'll have a great week eight of football. And we'll catch you next time to break down week eight and preview week nine. Have a great week of watching football. Hope your teams win, unless you're the donkeys. We'll catch you next time here on All Things Football.